What's up, Boom fam? This is Candace. All right, before we get into this episode today, the conversation from this episode can absolutely be continued over on the Boom Community Facebook group. So if you're in the Facebook group, head over there and let's keep the conversation going. If you hear something that you want to comment on, something that was powerful or something that you even might want to challenge, head over to the Facebook group and let's get some conversation, some dialogue going. That's exactly why or one of the reasons why that that group was even created. And if you're not a part of the Boone Community Facebook group, head over to Facebook and join the group. But if you want to know more about Boone, go to theboonecommunity.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Boone Podcast. We are Black Next Gen Faith Leaders talking Black Next Gen Ministry. I'm Candace Wynn, your host, and I am here with my boy, my brother, everybody's favorite uncle, cousin, the one Absolutely. and only Robert E. Purvis. <laughs> <laughs> we back. See, we are back. And I'm so excited to be back. We with are you. back. Yeah, we in here, man. We in here. And listen, so today's conversation, we're talking about volunteers. 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 Oh, yeah. our, our best and worst friends. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like the world runs on Duncan, the world runs, the church runs on volunteers. It does. And you, be, and you better treat them right. Because if you don't, <laughs> okay. it can go a whole other way. Yeah, Seriously, so it's uh, straight up that yeah. It's it's one of those th- I have so many memories of volunteers and volunteerism. Um it's it's crazy. We we probably could spend the whole podcast just going down memory lane because you you worked in right. ministry about as long as about as long as I have. So um, Yeah. So what listen, what was the first time you got paid for something though, right? Because I think growing up, I don't I don't remember ever being in a ministry growing up where I had like a paid youth pastor or something. It was always just like yeah. You know, you know how we do. But always, when was the first time you personally got paid for actually serving in the church? It was always a God bless you, huh? <laughs> um, paid. Your reward is it? in heaven. Right. Paid. It had to be maybe at some point in college. Maybe okay. I got paid. For, um, I remember I was leading a um, singles ministry at my church in Waxahachie, Texas, um, Waxahachie. during college. Shout out to Waxahachie, yeah. Texas. <laughs> and they, uh, they gave me a little something for that. But even with that, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know how they pay, they, they pay me by giving me a room at the pastor's house and the pastor okay. let me drive his old Lexus. So I was stuck hey, in, Waxa, was in Waxahachie driving the car. Yeah. In, until it broke down. But, um, but. He was pushing <laughs> a Lexus through Waxahachie. Yeah. And, and it had the CD player in the trunk, the, the six CD player Ooh, in the trunk. Oh man. You, you put, so uh, it was all right. I know about yeah, it. But, yeah. So they paid me in, they paid me in, in things. It wasn't necessarily money. Okay. It was like, we're yeah. going to feed you, give you somewhere to stay. You know, uh-huh. it was, uh, and I had a, I had a dorm on college campus, but it's like, you still had a room at the pastor's house if you wanted that. So uh, I can't, Honestly, see, I don't remember the first time I actually got paid for volunteering. I don't know if I ever got paid for volunteering. You was a for real church boy being in college, staying at the pastor's house. Like that was oh, not yeah. my college experience. Church boy through and through. Yeah, no, you was turned. You was turned down <laughs> there, fam. <laughs> strike, strike, strike again. <laughs> so look, so I think for me, you know, because I was thinking about that too. So for me, my first time getting paid was I was in seminary, and I remember it vividly. I remember it because um, a mentor of mine was starting a church and he reached out to me. He had been in youth ministry for a while and I had, you know, always like picked his brain, reached out to him about different things in youth ministry. And he decided to get out of youth ministry and start a church, started a church, Fellowship of Love Church in Mm. Fayetteville, Georgia. 
And he reached out to me and he's like, I want you to be my first children's and youth minister. And I'm sitting there thinking like, now listen, I live up in Atlanta and it's like the north side of Atlanta because I was in Emory and Fayetteville mm-hmm. was about, was a, was a solid 45 minutes to an hour drive. And I'm like, I'm in school. Like that's going to be it. <laughs> I ain't got money for gas like that. And he was like, right. no, I'm going to pay you. And I was just like, oh, work. It was a part-time job. I look forward to that check every two weeks, but I showed up to work every every right. Sunday. I mean, listen, we had to be at church at eight o'clock. And for me at that time, it was that was early. That was early. You had to be there. You had to be there at eight. And I had to be there. I remember I had to be there at eight. And I used to think that that was super, super early to be at church <laughs> until I got to that point in my life when I had to be at church at six. And that was a whole right. different thing. <laughs> a whole <laughs> different thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's uh it's it's one of those things, man. Like I think uh that was back, and 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 we and we not old by no means. But when we say when mm-hmm. we say back in the day, back in our day, right? Back back in, in our, our day. day, right? Right. So for me, that was what two thousand and eight. I think the first time I got paid, it was two thousand and eight. Yeah, so I started yeah. ministry two thousand seven. So I probably say around the same time. I say because okay. uh, I volunteered yeah. helping. I help, I helped the choir. Help with boys mentoring all that but never mm-hmm. got never got paid for it. So I don't know where this idea of um of how volunteers these days a lot of them won't willingly serve unless they get paid. I don't know where that notion comes from. Like like yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. Right. And, and you know it's one of those things where like like I said I jokingly said this when we first started off but like like the world runs on Duncan, the Duncan, the church runs. I mean, some people will say the world runs on Starbucks. Yeah. That's a whole different day. Right, 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 a whole right, different right. day. But <laughs> like the church runs on volunteers, right? And this conversation today is so essential because a new school year is upon us. And sometimes at the top of the school year, people get into different kind of rhythms and different kind of flows. And nobody wants to do ministry alone, right? Whether you are a volunteer leader within your church or whether you are paid staff within your church. You don't want to, you don't want to be doing that, that alone. Right. And if you think about the way that in the evolution of volunteering within the church nowadays, nobody, I mean, not nobody, some people are really hesitant to to volunteer their gifts. Like they're doing something for a profession and the church reaches out to ask you for it, to, to, to do that, to serve. Then people look at it as, Hey, this is a job and I need to get some money. Or like some people get paid to sing on a praise team, right? <laughs> when they yeah. work for the time singing in the choir, what's your volunteer service, right? So, so what what is? Let's talk about what volunteering looks like, has looked like, or even looks like now within the church. I mean, your you your church your church has to have a culture of volunteering, right? So that mm-hmm. that comes from top down. So some churches I've been to, they have a culture of volunteering, so nobody is expecting payment because there's a culture of volunteering. So they know there are people in place that get paid to lead the volunteers and where it falls off is if the person getting paid is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, Hmm. then volunteers get upset and say, Hey, I could get paid to do that. Right. But when you have Hmm. some, when you have paid staff leading well and you have a culture of volunteers where people are getting involved, there's this idea that churches have to realize when you have volunteers, um, it's about the output. What are you asking them to do? Because if you're asking them to run something and not just be a part of something, that's different. If I'm asking you to lead something, there may be some compensation there due to the amount of time you're asking from them. Mm-hmm. But if you have it set up well, uh, nobody's feeling burnt out. 
Nobody's feeling like they, it's a tedious task. They want to do it willingly and it's from the service of their heart. Yeah. And there are some, you know, many churches that still run on that whole model of everything. I can think of several churches that have, they run on that model of we're a volunteer led church. We have no paid mm-hmm. staff. We maybe have, you know, two paid staff members, but the rest are just, is run on volunteers. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think you're so right when it comes from the top down, because the way that people within the church are discipled by the lead pastor, it plays a major role in the type of volunteers that we get within Absolutely. The, our next gen ministry. You know, if Absolutely. people are discipled in a way of convenience, like, hey, we don't want to inconvenience people too much. We don't want to worry people too much. We want to have them doing too much and this and that. Then guess what you're going to get? You go bring some lazy volunteers who don't want right. to do anything within the church. You right. Know? So right. people have got your you man, you hit the head, the nail right on the head with that. People have got to be discipled in a certain kind of way um, for us to do our jobs effectively. Uh, but then you have you have some people who serve in positions of leadership within next gen ministries who are volunteer and mm-hmm. who do a great job carrying the weight. I can think of several who who are volunteer and they lead the entire ministry from birth to twelfth grade. Right. And they're not at small churches. You know, they're right. not at small churches that have, you know, smaller ministries and smaller numbers. Oh, they're 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 larger churches. But and some of that is is people have just been discipled in that way. But then some of it too is churches don't want to financially pay right compensate people for different things that they do. Two different conversations. Yeah, two different. different Because leadership needs to be able to recognize that if you're asking a volunteer, although they may be willing, if you're asking them to do 20 to 25 hours a week of work, there needs to be somebody saying, hey, we got to do something for this person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because some people will lead out of their hearts and never extend their hand. Right. But I think yeah. it's the leadership yeah. of the church to say, hey, we see your heart. So we're going to extend our hand to you to offer you, mm-hmm. even though you may not ask. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about building a team. I know I know for me. When I was my role shifted uh, also towards the end of my time, actually serving within the local church, I don't serve within a local church leading a youth ministry or a next year ministry right now. I serve in the capacity of a youth ministry coaching consultant, but during my years of serving within a church, I played many different roles in leading volunteers, right? And towards the end of my time serving within the church, I was a next-gen pastor, which means I oversaw all grade levels, birth to 12th grade, and I had several staff people that served, you know, on our team. And we worked together really, really well, and we started, we got the idea of building a team of volunteers. So we, we decided to go from just having a list of names on the paper. Because we didn't want just a list of names on a paper. We wanted to have those list of names on the paper to actually operate as a team. And when you operate mm-hmm. as a team, you just move a little bit differently, right? And so what we decided to do was we were like, hey, we're all going to come together, all of our next-gen ministries, and we're going to have a volunteer info session. And this volunteer info session, we decided <laughs> we decided to host it on a Saturday. We had a whole theme for it. It was like, oh, the places you'll go. And we talked about um, the whole Dr. Seuss thing, right? And we talked about, you know, we set it up real well. We went through the different stages of life, you know, development for kids from preschool. We got this stuff from Orange because Orange has some really good stuff around face development. So we mm-hmm. talked about the stage of life from a preschooler and an uh, elementary schooler and middle schooler and a high school, all the different leaders did that. And then we, we even narrowed down and we simplified 
are the ways that you can volunteer into five different areas. We've developed developing five, five mini teams within the broader volunteer team, right? We had it set to a team. We were so ready for it. And we had people ready to sign up. And we, I mean, it was this this volunteer kickoff, it was legit, bro. It was so dope. Yeah. I mean, from the decorations to the way that we presented it, it was absolutely amazing. And at the end of it, we it was like one of those, we said, all right, if you're interested in serving, then we're going to get back with you because we're not ready, right? And it was like, you got to, exactly, your face, your eyes are huge, right? We weren't ready. <laughs> and it was one of those, like, we had a date on the calendar, but it was so many other pieces within the broader church yeah. we just didn't have ready. So we, we were like, we didn't want to cancel the event, but we were like, but we're going to get back to you. So we were like, it's probably going to be within two months. And then this one guy, I never forget this. Man, this dude, he raised his hand. He was like, Rev, his name was Bert Birdsall. He raised his hand. <laughs> he said, Rev, you got me all excited. You got all this stuff here. You pumped us all up, casted this great vision of what the ministry can be and what our roles can be. And now you tell me I got to wait. And we were like, yo. And what that really did for me is it just let me just like, hey, when you invite people, when you start recruiting people to be a part yeah. of something, you got to be ready for them. You have yeah. got to be ready for them. You can't just be like, yeah, I ain't ready for it yet. You got to have that time so set so that they're 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 they don't you don't lose that momentum because once you lose that momentum, man, it's hard to get that to get that back. It's hard to get. And that. I have failed at that. I'm right there with you. I. I have to I had to learn the hard way on how to have a group of people to help me get the other people, right? Mm. Have a group of volunteers to help me get the other volunteers. Because what happens is we galvanize a small group of people to help us get it launched. But we don't have it set yeah. on how we're going to the next steps or how we're going to keep it going because we've just used our core people to help get us to launch date. Then after we launch, now what? Right. So mm -hmm. I think one of the practical things you said in that statement is leaders need to know while you're preparing, don't just prepare for your launch date, prepare at least for the three to six months after you launch uh, mm -hmm. while you're planning. So, you know, what next session, you know where you're going to, because you don't want to get people excited and then they don't know what's next. It's, it's like it's yeah. like getting people excited about a party. And when they come to the house, there's no decorations, ain't no cake, mm -hmm. ain't no music. We ain't just no hear Right. You just had a good invitation. You just had a good invitation. Right. So no, I definitely yeah. get that. Well, well, so what do you, what do you think ministry leaders can do? You know, when it comes, let's talk, let's talk practical because I want this conversation to be practical so people can walk away and be like, Hey man, this is what I can do. So what do you think ministry leaders can do if you really want to build a volunteer team yep. and have people like on the same page, y'all working, you know, you walk, working to march you to the beat of the same drum. Because teams yeah. just move it, differently, right? Yeah. yeah and, and, and if you're watching the podcast and you have questions, of course, hit up Candace, hit me up. And if we don't have the answer, we'll find it. We'll point you in the right direction. But we're just here to be a tool to help you, right? And so with the, the practicality of that, um, I think it's, it's three Ds. I think you really need to understand. Like determine, develop, and drive. Determine uh, your what, develop your who, and drive is your where. Right. So determine, first of all, determine who your what what type of volunteers you need, because the, the worst mm -hmm. thing you could ever do is have good people in the wrong position. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so a lot of times we think volunteering is just having people. And then you have, you have people. And if all of them are skilled the same way, if all of them think the same way, 
like you never really get to where you're trying to go. You need uh, people that think differently. You need people that have different skill set. And the way you do that is you sit down and determine what you need and do spiritual gifts tests on volunteers, right? And then yeah. develop, de- de- develop mm-hmm. your what? Like develop the plan. Like, like um, wh- where there is no vision, the people perish, right? You have to yeah. know where you're going. So de- develop a plan and then uh, drive, drive. Like you have to have a push. What pushes volunteers mm-hmm. to serve, right? What, what pushes them to come? Do you celebrate them? Do you acknowledge them? Because if you don't pay them, you can at least celebrate them. Right yeah. on on a consistent yeah. basis. So determine, develop, drive. Determine who your volunteers are. Develop a plan uh, of what of what your programming ministry will look like, and then drive. What what pushes people to serve? That that's the practical points right there. Determine, develop, and drive. And I, I agree with that so much because you know, to me, I believe that it start when when you have a clear vision of where you want, where you know you want to go, then you're able to be clear in what you need. Right. If I don't know where I'm going, then I don't know how what to I need while I'm there. If I know that I'm taking a vacation to uh, uh, um, um, say like to go skiing, then hey, I know I need my ski boots. I know I need my mm-hmm. ski jacket, my hat. I know what I need, right? And so if I've got a vision for where my ministry is going, then I'm clear on what it is that I need and the personnel and the type of people that I need, right? And when I'm clear on what it is that I need, then I know what I'm looking for. And so when yeah. I'm talking to different people, I'm like, hey, I know that I need, I need the person who can do this, this and that. So when I see it, I'm able to identify it. And when I can identify it in somebody, then I can be really, really clear in my ask of them. Say, hey, I need you to bring this aspect of you to this team because this is where we're going. This is what we need because this is what we're going. Right. Yeah. And when you can connect your ask of someone back to the broader picture of the vision, then people know how to show up and they show up differently because they know what it is that you're really asking them to do. And when people know what they're asking them to do, they know how to use those gifts. They know how to share. Right. But I think sometimes because people the circle, right. I'm taking it back in a circle, but because people aren't always discipled in a certain kind of way or because mm-hmm. we're afraid to extend larger asks to people, right. We're afraid to have somebody to, Ask someone to do something really, really big. And I know I see this a lot with people who serve in, in, in ministry in a volunteer capacity. A lot of people who serve in, in volunteer capacities, they're, I mean, even pay staff too. You know, I'm not going to put it all on volunteer capacities, but a lot of times we're afraid to ask people to do, to take on a larger role within the church within, or within the ministry because we're like, I'm the one that gets paid for it or I know how hard it is for me and I don't get paid for it. Right. So I don't want to put anybody else in that position. But the reality is, if we don't invite somebody else to serve, then we're giving provide burnout for ourselves. Yeah. And we're also robbing somebody of the opportunity to give back to God's house because we're not meant to do this ministry stuff alone. We're meant to right. really, really encourage other people to give back to God's house so that they can use those gifts to build and enhance God's kingdom. So see, uh, lean, lean into that a little bit, lean, lean into, cause you said something like you said one word at least three or four times. I think people need to hear it. You said the word team. And I think that if you mm-hmm. lean, lean, lean into the mindset of, of, of getting away, maybe we know vo- people volunteer, but am I more of a team mindset rather than a yeah. volunteer mindset? Because I think that will alleviate a lot of burnout when you, when you mm-hmm. create a team, can like lean because yeah. you 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 have a lot of knowledge about that and experience with that. So can you like lean into that? You know what I think about when I think about that. You know how they have like usher boy number one, 
And Usher Boy, Boy, number one, knew that they were serving on that first Sunday, right? Yep. They was going to show up. They was going to talk about it. <laughs> they know who wasn't going to yep. be there because that was their Usher Boy, right? And yep. I look at it the same way within within the ministry, within, a, within our next-gen ministries, having a team of people that you work with, right? And when that you essentially also maybe even do life with. Right. Because a lot of times if you look at any sports teams and I'm, I know I'm, I'm probably going to give a lot of sports analogies in life because that's just my life revolves around that faith in sports. <laughs> that's your, that is my that's life, your right? family, your family aspect. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And all we do is win, win, win at all. Level, right? Come on. <laughs> but so so the way that teams move, you know, put it like this. If you look at any field, any court. Any team that's out there playing on the field, playing on the court, athletes are not just standing out there, you know, with their hands deep in their pockets, picking up dirt. The only time you see that is if you're looking at some kind of three-year-old sports team, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But athletes aren't standing there with their hands in their pockets, picking up dirt, looking at birds flying in the sky. Nah, they're out there and they are in their go mode. They are in their Mm -hmm. ready stance, right? And they know what position they need to be in. They know what they need to do. They know what the other people are going to be doing because they have one goal and that's to win the game. Right. And if it's that serious for an athlete who plays a game that has no salvific significance, then how much more serious is it for us who are Mm -hmm. trying to shape the faith of a future generation? For people to be in these positions, they know what they're mm-hmm. doing. Their hands aren't deep in their pockets. They ain't looking up at the sky, just counting the birds. They are there. They are equipped. They know what they're what they're supposed to be doing. They know what somebody else is supposed to be doing. They communicate with each other. I mean, it's it's one of those things where we we move in sync um, and we're operating together. But a huge part of that comes from leadership. And how mm-hmm. the people are led. If people are led in a way of, of, um, of, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. I can maybe I can find mm-hmm. somebody else to serve. You can't serve. That's that's fine. Like, hey, you can't be there. Find your replacement. We a team. You know, you who yep. who who you throwing the ball to? If you can't yep. be there to dribble the ball, to shoot the ball, or to run into the end zone, who are you getting to carry that ball for you? Who are you mm-hmm. passing it off to? You're not throwing the Come ball on. to the coach for the coach to determine determine who gonna. Be. Who's going to run the ball into the zone? Nah, you can't end up to somebody else. And that's what I mean when I say how a team operates and how a team, how a team works. I I love it because what you're saying is like, if, if, if God is the owner, right. And Mm -hmm. pastors are the general managers and leaders are the coaches, right? So the pastor who is the general manager has to be in sync with the owner. So we know Mm -hmm. what type of players to put, to give the coach. Right. And then it's on the coach to lead the players well. Right. And so having a team mindset means you put people in the right place so they can run the right plays and do the right thing. Like you, if you watch the football game, it would be crazy for a linebacker to play the running back's position or be crazy for an offensive lineman to play receiver or for a defensive Mm -hmm. end to play quarterback. Right. All of them are athletic. All of them are skilled, but they are skilled to play different positions. And when you put people in the right positions, they are able to be successful. The problem with the church is what we've done is just getting a lot of players, put them on the field and say, oh, you look like you can throw. Okay, you're the quarterback. Oh, you look like you can catch. 
you the receiver, or you know, right? Or you look at you the quarterback. Yeah. So you throw the ball. Like so, we, we stick people in positions, and a lot of our alignment is off because we don't have teams. We just have people, right? That's right. And and, it, yeah. and and a conversation for another day. But like if we go back to talking about that culture. Like good teams have good locker room culture. There's a good culture off the field that makes a great team. And so while you're meeting with your leadership and your paid staff, whatever that may look like, mm-hmm. if you're not paid, if you lead, when you meet with your leaders, you have to create a culture that attracts and keeps volunteers because yeah. nobody yeah. wants to volunteer in a whack culture. Right. Right. That's so real. And you know what? When you are also operating as a team, it prevents burnout because you don't feel like you've got to do it all by yourself. Right. A lot of times we feel like we've got to do it all by ourselves. or we have the faithful few that's doing the work of a thousand people. And Mm -hmm. what that causes is it causes burnout. And when we're able to distribute some of the work, then we have we expand our capacities and we expand what it is that we're able to do. Because we're not running copies and then two hours later right. giving a message and then <laughs> right. an hour later counseling the family, you know, and right. then an hour and then the next day, me doing all, me, all these things. Like when we have, when we really are able to operate as a team, we, we expand the capacity of what it is that we're able to do because we're sharing some of that load. And I know that some of this might sound a little bit easier said than done. I know, I mean, I, I know that it just, but, Developing that team mindset, it really, really begins by sharing a clear vision with your people of where you want to go. And if you have not shared a clear vision with people about where you want to go, and sometimes you're like, hey, I want to build a team. All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But we don't necessarily communicate to people, hey, we're developing a team. You know, we want to operate as a team. We got to be clear in what it is that we're telling people so that people can be clear in how they can help to execute. Sometimes people aren't clear on how what they can do to make it happen. And and if and if you're in an environment where you where you find yourself being the main one, I know in the black church sometimes uh, there are several size churches that listen to the podcast. I mm-hmm. get it. Some churches yeah. have maybe fifty people. Some have one hundred and fifty. Some have three hundred. Some have three thousand. No matter what size the church is. And so when we talk about teams, people tend to lean to more towards towards the larger size churches. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the smaller to medium size churches real quick. Like for you that feel like you're doing it all by yourself, here's one thing I told the church last weekend. Sometimes you have to cut back on what you want to output, right? Or put out rather. Like so if you only have two people that are volunteering, you can't try to do ministry for a hundred people. No, like like do ministry for who you have in your area. Sometimes we try to extend ourselves to do too much and we feel like failures because we try to take on tasks that are too big. It's okay to have major success in small tasks. It's okay. It's okay. And I know a lot of people watching and may be like, well, I volunteer and it's just me and two other people. And all we have is 10 kids and we only have, you know, six parents. Okay. Create a strategy and create a plan for your size group. Strategies work in every level, right? Mm -hmm. Like plans work at every level. So when we talk about strategies and plans that just, that that's not just speaking to the amount of people. Cause when you talk about ministry, you want to talk, you want to look at your ministry, uh, not just for quantity, but for quality, right? You want a quality Mm -hmm. ministry. Doesn't matter how many people you have. Right. So, um, so this team mindset is not about the amount of people. It's, it's really the heart and the mindset. If you got the Bible says what two or three, 
where two or three are gathered, right. there I'll be. So if it's there three of y'all, if it's yeah. two of y'all, guess what? God is there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And not all of your volunteers and not everybody who's on your team has to show up to Sunday on Sunday either. Right. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you want people to show up for, to be there for the kids and for the teens. Yeah, I get that. But maybe if it's a task, like when I look at, I look at, look at it like this. If you want to build a team, the first thing you really need to do is expand your capacity to do it. Because building a team is going to require work. And in order to build mm-hmm. a team, you've got to expand your capacity to do it. How do you expand your capacity to do it? It's by taking all those things off your plate that somebody else mm-hmm. can do. If you spend time making copies, guess what? Somebody else can make them copies. If you spend mm-hmm. time cutting out those hearts, guess what? Get that to somebody for plan and give it to somebody a week in advance and ask them to cut these hearts out. And guess what? That person is on your team. Right. right. So it's all right. those things that you might do that you don't have to do. Let's start delegating some of those things so that we can really be more effective in, in leading in the areas that, that only that only we can do. Yeah. And and um it's one of those things, Candace and I, I mean, we clicked not just because we're brother and sister. Uh, but we do something that I think a lot of leaders need to do. We share. We share ideas. Mm-hmm. We share concepts. We share strategies. So when it comes to that, that's Boone exists for a lot of reasons. But one of those things, we want to share information so you can take these things and apply it. So even in your local context, like uh, one thing Candace always says, share your playbook. Yeah. <laughs> like, like don't, don't keep it to yourself. Share share your playbook and 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 share with others um, how you strategize for your volunteers, because I guarantee you in a lot of black neighborhoods or black churches, especially here in Dallas, I can drive down the street called Bonnie view on Bonnie view. There's at between two lights. There's at least 40 churches. Kid you not. Mm. Right. So if you, and, and all of them are around the same size, what if you got together and strategized on how you can benefit the parents in your neighborhood? And the families in your neighborhood mm-hmm. together, right? You may yeah. have different expressions of worship, which is why you go to your particular church. But if you all are championing for families and for kids and for students, yo, like you can come together and strategize how you can do that. So share share your methods. Yeah, I mean that's that's seriously a way that you can do more together. It really is, man. This has been this has been a good conversation with a lot of practical stuff. Um, one more practical piece I want to leave, leave y'all with today. Is, you know, so I, I coach, um, I do, you know, youth ministry coaching and consulting, you know, for an organization, but I also do it on the side. And one of those things that I do on the side is I do, I do volunteer strategizing sessions. I just wrapped up a session with the church in Tennessee. I guess it was our last month, month before. And what those sessions look like, there's seven sessions that I do with people. And we walk through um, all the different areas of expanding your capacity, you know, recruiting, onboarding training and discipling volunteers really just like breaking down some of those some of those things and for everyone anyone who is listening to this conversation today here's what I want to offer if you are really really serious about expanding your 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 capacity and building your volunteer team holler at us reach us reach out to us send an email to info at the boonecommunity.com and we'll give you a free one hour session of a volunteer strategizing session to kind of get you off the ground um you know, and I'm really, really generous, man. I, I don't, I don't, I probably would say an hour, but I probably would do more. I don't know. You know, don't really tell me because anything though. over an hour, y'all gonna pay. Y'all gonna pay. Anything <laughs> over an hour, y'all gonna pay because she got a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, email us at info at the boomcommunity.com if you're interested in getting your free hour of volunteer strategizing session. 
And then also for those of you who are in the Boone community or Facebook group, let's keep this conversation going um, in that Boone community Facebook group throughout the course of this month of September 2023. We're going to be posting and dropping different conversation starters, different thoughts, different things about this topic of building a volunteer team. And let's keep the conversation going on there. And if you're not connected to Boone, uh, head over to Facebook and find us. We're the Boone community Facebook group. On Instagram, we are the dot Boone Community, or go just go to theboonecommunity.com if you can't find any of it. All right, y'all. Uh, hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for rocking with us today. My boy Pervy, been good, always good chopping it up with you. Uh, and to my girl Ashley Johnson, who was helping to guide us through this conversation. Uh, so we leave no leaves unturned. I thanks. Thank you, sis, for being here. All right, y'all. Until next time.